Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. We are so glad to have you back for our first ever series on the St. Alphonsus Wellcast. My name is Amy James, and I am one of the dietitians in our corporate health and wellness department here at St. Al's. And we've got Valerie Lawrence, another one of our fantastic dietitians, and Candy, our wellness coordinator, back in again to continue our chat about diabetes. So for everybody that tuned in and listened to last week's podcast, after our recording, we kind of hung up our headphones, and we had this great conversation um, and talk amongst ourselves uh, that, you know, about all the things that we didn't say when it comes to type 2 diabetes that led us to realize we have a lot more to talk about. And so this is the birth of our first ever series, and we're so glad that you're here. Um, And today, speaking in uh, terms of type 2 diabetes, we're going to talk specifically about sugar and not just glucose, but also a little bit about artificial sweeteners, um, some sugar swaps, and just about everything in between. So, Val, why don't you give us a little recap of how a person with diabetes processes sugar versus someone who does not have diabetes and how they process sugar? Sure, I'd love to. So, if you're someone with type 2 diabetes, you consume sugar, it's absorbed in the gut, or your pancreas releases insulin. And that's a hormone that signals to the rest of your body that there's sugar in the blood that's ready to be taken in and used as fuel. So we see a rise in blood sugar and then eventually a fall. All of your cells have eaten up that sugar and so therefore taking it out of the blood. Um, For individuals with type 2 diabetes, they consume sugar and it gets absorbed, but the pancreas pumps out insulin, but not quite enough insulin and or our cells are insulin resistant. You've probably heard that term. Mm -hmm. So they don't respond as quickly as somebody without type 2 diabetes, and that glucose hangs out in the blood, making the blood sugar high. And um, then eventually it falls, but it happens more slowly and then um, creates a high sustained blood sugar. Got it. Thank you very much. All right. So another good recap for everybody listening. Um, You know, last week we threw around a lot of words. So, you know, complex carbs, simple carbs. Um, Can we dig a little deeper into that? Actually, can we even just start even more, you know, foundational? And where exactly can we find this sugar in our foods? So uh, sugar comes in a lot of different forms. In fact, some people, they... They look for sugars on the label, but what you should be looking for is total carbohydrate because all carbohydrates are a form of sugar. Mm. So uh, a good example of that would be beans. I'm taking a little side note here. Beans (laughs) look like they have one gram of sugar, and you'd look at a can of beans and go, hey, this looks like I could eat three cans of beans and be just fine. Mm -hmm. But... While, while beans are very healthy form of carbohydrate, they are very high in carbohydrate. They go in more slowly into your bloodstream. But, um, you know, a half of a cup of beans is about 15 grams of carbohydrate. And so that's not the same as one gram of sugar. And people frequently get that kind of confused. They're looking for sugars, but they should be looking for total carbohydrate. Carbohydrates are found in things like that we all know, potatoes, peas, pasta, corn, uh, winter squash, breads, and rice. So uh, they're also found in milk and yogurt and fruit. 
Awesome. And they're also found in a lot of condiments. So sauces mm. kind of want to be wary of. And then. Right. They're additives. Yes. yes. And processed foods. So I think it's great that you bring up the food label. And that's definitely something we could kind of circle back to later because it will be like your best friend in figuring out what is the carbohydrate content of um, some certain foods. Uh, so something that we talked about before we started recording that I think is a really good thing to bring up. So I had an idea to talk about like complex sugars and simple sugars when really the best tool is to just know what exactly is the carbohydrate content of the food, not necessarily what kind, because it all adds into that budget, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess we could get a little bit into what the difference between a complex and a simple carbohydrate is, just again, to give a little recap. Um, sure. Uh, something I realized yesterday that I didn't say, which is how to, you mentioned that, um, you know, to read the food label to find out what the carb content is. Mm -hmm. But if something doesn't have a food label, I just wanted to note that what you could do is use this um, app called Calorie King. We love Calorie King. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it's more than calories. So it's not really about tracking calories. It's about nutrition facts in whatever food. You type in apple. It gives you apple. It tells you calories and um, carbohydrate and fiber and protein and all of those things. So it, it's a very quick way to resource what's in the food that you're eating. Yeah. But you ask the difference between simple and complex carbohydrates. And so a simple carbohydrate is easily broken down and utilized quickly in the bloodstream. It's, it's like quick sugar to your blood. Uh, examples of that would be apple juice, uh, any sweetened beverage, which is not recommended. Mm -hmm. um, things like ice cream would be a simple carbohydrate. Um, whole grain pasta would be a complex. Potato would be a complex. Those are Great. broken down more slowly. Got it. And they have something called fiber. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, I mean, being a dietitian, I think I joke. I tell all of my clients and my patients that I think the god of all nutrients is fiber. Me too. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. I'm like, you know it we're going to talk about fiber today. It is. And so tell us exactly how fiber helps us absorb sugar or helps us absorb it a little bit slower. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the great thing about fiber is it keeps food in your belly longer in your stomach. Mm. So so you eat foods that are high in fiber. They hang out in your stomach more slowly, which means that they go into your small intestine more slowly. Once they are in your small intestine, you've noticed that fiber does speed things up. So it's slow in the right place and it's fast in the right place. But, um, you know, it is it helps the glucose get into your bloodstream more slowly. It's not everything all at once quickly taken into your bloodstream. It's just a little bit at a time. It's more like a trickle than a surge. Yes, and that is creating a um, way less heavy workload on your pancreas, which is very advantageous. Yes. Um, all right. So moving on. Okay. So then let's kind of circle back to the uh, food label. So what is your strategy when teaching your clients and your patients about how to read a food label? What things do you ask them to look for? Um, I know we touched a little bit on total carbohydrates versus sugar, um, but let's get so, into that a little bit more. Yeah. A fun trick is looking at carbohydrates and subtracting fiber. So okay. what matters is net carbs. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that so that they don't get afraid of things like beans. You know, it can yeah. be a little in the weeds, but I think it's an important weed to stand in because, uh, you know, like I'll hand them a box of Triscuits, for instance, and maybe they're keeping away from 
carbs. They're, they're mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I'm not eating carbs. So I'm like, well, so let's look at how many carbs you'd have if you added some Triscuits to your salad. And six Triscuits is 120 calories and like four grams, uh, 120 calories, four grams of fiber and uh, 15 grams of carbohydrate. Wow. Yeah. So you I love how that just rolls out of your head. Like this is a dietitian here. She knows four triscuits. Six. Six. Oh, six. Six. Yeah. Six. Count yeah we want to maximize this. I, I love to give people, you know, here's things you can eat in a regular amount and it won't harm you. Please do have triscuits with your salad. It's a whole grain and it's tasty. Right. Especially with all the flavors they have now. Yeah. But so I, I talked to them about uh total carbohydrates and the fiber that's in them and how to combine them to be the right amount of carbs per meal, whether you're counting them or whether you're uh, using your hand as a measurement. But uh, uh, one way is is 15 grams equals a half a cup equals what you could hold in your hand without spilling one hand. So then I take my hand and I kind of upside down it two or three times to say this is how many carbs you can have on your plate. Got it. I love that. Um, okay, so before we um, segue out of the food label and the fiber thing, I just wanted to add in because I do this with my clients and I love it. It's my analogy for fiber in the gut. <laughs> I was going to say this a couple of minutes ago and I forgot. Okay, so for those of us the 90s kids, I was born in 1991. Um, I remember growing up and behind our TV setup was just like this collection of wires, like tons and tons of wires from the TV, from the VCR, from everything. And so when I tell my clients about fiber, I say, imagine that like ball of wires that you envision never getting untangled being like the fiber in your gut. And it's just trapping the sugar in there. So I just wanted to say that because that's my analogy and and I like it and I'm sticking to it. I do (laughs) like it. Yeah. Now, while we're still on the topic of fiber, let's talk about fiber supplements. Yes. I we see them all over the place, like the Benefiber, the Metamucil. How? Why would you incorporate that into your diet, and should you? So I don't think that there's a disadvantage to adding a fiber okay. supplement to your diet, but I think as it pertains to diabetes, the fiber is really useful at the time of consuming that carbohydrate, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who wakes up and has some Metamucil in the morning and then you just have, you know, a ton of carbohydrates throughout the day thinking, oh, I took my fiber supplement this morning. I'm good to go. Mm. It acts synergistically or it should. It needs to act synergistically in order for it to have an effect um, or to slow, attenuate that um, glucose absorption. Glom onto the food in layman terms. Yes. Gotcha. So food first, which is something if Anybody who's listening meets with a dietitian, I'm sure, has heard uh, that person say many times. Uh, but, yeah, finding it in your food is going to be the most optimal thing, not to completely knock a fiber supplement because right. fiber is wonderful. And it um, reduces cholesterol, but yes. in relation to the food. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, all righty. So let's, let's segue and go a little bit um, different. So uh, something that we talked about after we hung up our headphones last week was um, artificial sweeteners, which includes sugar alcohols, sugar substitutes, everything, aspartame. Um, and we've all heard of them. And uh, Candy, maybe you can share like a little bit of your personal experience and like what your family does with the artificial sweeteners. And then we'll have Val chime in and, and share her information that admittedly was new to me as well as a dietitian. <laughs> yeah. So in our family, again, uh, my husband, he struggles with his blood sugar. And so 
we, for one, we usually don't have desserts in the house. When we do, if we do have dessert, we have it um, usually on the weekend. Mm -hmm. That's like a sweet treat. But um, a fun thing that we do is we'll often have popsicles. We have popsicles year round. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of nice because you get that sweet taste. It's refreshing. But it takes a long time to consume that sugar. And I also kind of confessed as well that we have a lot of sugar-free. So we'll often get regular popsicles for myself and the kids mm -hmm. and <laughs> sugar-free popsicles for dad. Um, we also have like sugar-free creamer and um, my husband will drink a Diet Coke instead of regular Coke. And here we kind of thought that we were doing like making a, a better choice. And then when I brought this up, I learned something. So, Valerie, <laughs> why don't you educate our listeners? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, just on the sugar alcohols, some people have a really adverse uh, effect to them. And so what can happen is that it gets into your large colon and your large intestine, your colon, and it just kind of blows things up. So it's a dose related for sure. But if you're having it in creamer and you're having it in popsicles and you're having it at Diet Coke and, you know, maybe your burden is increasing through the day, it would not be unusual to have GI disturbances of bloating, gas and diarrhea which is not, you know, what you're looking for. It also decreases the microbial microbial <laughs> microbial diversity in your gut. And so you we want a good balance because that's our immune system and it's uh, it helps us with a lot of things. It's it's where we make get our second meal, so to speak. So does this happen with all sugar Additive? substitutes? No. Doesn't okay. happen with all of them, but, okay. but usually happens with the ones that add all at the end. So the sugar alcohols. Yeah, so like uh, xylitol mm -hmm. or mannitol mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't know. There's a few more. So to, to bring the more anecdotal piece to it, because apparently that's what I'm doing today. Um, <laughs> so I will never forget, even before I became a dietitian, I read this story. It was like in a magazine. It was a story that someone had submitted in. I, do you guys remember when magazines still had things like that? Oh, yeah. yeah like also. 17 or something. <laughs> yes. And it was this girl who was about to board a plane, and she really wanted some gummy bears. And the only thing that she could find were sugar-free gummy bears. And so before she could, uh, you know, had any idea of what would happen or before she had any symptoms, she had eaten the whole bag of sugar-free gummy bears and had a full-on blowout on this plane. Um, was <laughs> so you know, like paid for the seat on a plane but ended up in the bathroom the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, that, that distension that it causes, pulling water in, all of that is so real. So it can add up over time and definitely cause, um, I think we called it an explosion earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's not what you're looking for. Okay. Um, but, you know, that said, new, not to ding nutritive, non-nutritive sweeteners totally. Mm -hmm. They do have a place, but it's a temporary place. Yeah. It's not meant to be long-term. And, um, you know, like if you're trying to wean yourself off of, uh, like, soda pop yep. or juice, then that's a good trade up until it's not a good trade. But you should use it as a weaning process, not as something that you're substituting one for one. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's a great point to bring up because something that I do with my clients as well is um, if I do have someone who's coming in and they're trying to come off three to four sodas a day, like exchanging that, you know, for one or two diet sodas is going to be the better alternative to having a full sugar soda. Yeah, at Um, least you're not having those spikes and then the huge dips. Exactly, exactly. But we also learned last week that there is this insulin response to anything sweet in the mouth. And this is the piece that is brand new to me and kind of blew me away. So Val, I'm going to let you take over and explain that. Okay. So it's called the cephalic insulin response. And that, so you taste something sweet. And generally, if it's a real carbohydrate, like let's say you have a piece of a peach in your mouth, your salivary glands will start secreting amylase, which is um, an enzyme to help you Uh, break down that carbohydrate even before it gets into your stomach. And then also at the same time, your body is sensing, hey, something sweet's coming down. I should prime my insulin. Hey, pancreas, there's there's actual sugar coming your way. Yeah. So uh, the the response, even to non-nutritive sweeteners that actually don't have, you know, some of them have a few calories in them, very few, uh, but others are just super sweet, and they have no calorie to them. So let's say you drink that Diet Coke, uh, which, by the way, is is correlated with weight gain, not weight loss, in many studies, human studies. Mm-hmm. So that's important to say that it's not a weight loss help gotcha. uh, long term, which Got is it. why I was suggesting short term was better. So your pancreas starts pumping out a little bit of insulin, getting ready for the sugar that's not actually coming. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's a problem is that insulin is fantastic at storing fat. Mm. Mm. So if you have a hamburger and a Diet Coke, that would be an ideal situation. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. To store some weight. To store some weight. Yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Central um, adiposity is a big deal, too. Yeah. So. I think that is a big deal. Like, I think that it's an, an important information for people to know that just isn't really out there unless yeah. you're talking to a dietitian. Um, because you do, you see these things, and of course, in their marketing, they're like, oh, do this, and this mm-hmm. will help you to lose weight, or this is so much healthier. But really, it's looking at the science and how it works in your body, and it can be, you know, detrimental. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. I definitely learned something, and Me I'll too. be changing <laughs> some things in our home. <laughs> and um, just to break down some verbiage for you guys, if you ever hear central adiposity, visceral fat, those are kind of big fancy words for just that fat that hangs around your organs and your like around your abdomen and your gut, um, and so that is a little bit more detrimental than the fat that we hang around in other places just because it can create a lot of inflammation and we think about what's neighboring all of that fat, your your heart, um, your organs, all of those sensitive areas. Uh, we just want to protect it. Um, and so... Good points. Yes, yes. So just breaking down that language that um, we love. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So did, did you have some things that you wanted to share from your home, what you do for those sweet cravings and whatever? Oh, gosh, what do I do for a sweet craving? Well, you know what? Something that we talked about again last week that I thought was a great tip and that I actually implemented in one of my client um, sessions this week was uh, we all deserve to have 
pleasurable moments with food. And I think it's important to say that we are by no means saying, okay, you can't have this sugar and you can't have artificial sweetener. And some of you might even be sitting there saying, okay, well, what can I have, right? Um, And I loved the point that you brought up about, okay, like let's say you have top five favorite desserts. If that top dessert is something like ice cream or, you know, something that you kind of not like lose control, but maybe you kind of are a little bit mindless with it. Like you get kind of lost in the, in the feelings Mm -hmm. and the goodness of it. Um, Maybe that's (laughs) something that you source outside of the house when you're out, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. maybe a treat. Um, And what you keep in the house is something that you have a little bit more regulation with. Um, And I think the example you used was like, you know, dark chocolate squares or frozen yogurt or frozen yogurt. Mm -hmm. Or I mean, even like granted this would be okay if this was something that you didn't feel kind of bingy with but like fun size candies that you could just have one and be satisfied um yes yes <laughs> Val's doing a little you like- do have to have self-control with those bite size I'm telling yes, you every yes. Halloween when my kids bring home that candy mm-hmm. it can be a temptation we yeah. try to throw away as much as possible mm-hmm. Um, but you know, mom stashes her favorites. <laughs> That's so candy. <laughs> I, I cannot control myself with cookies or candy, and so I can't. Re- I can have dark chocolate, but I can't have cookies, and I can't have candy in the house because yeah. that super sweet really stokes that dopamine receptor yes. You yes. Know, response. Yes. And uh, I'm just like you know. I got to have it. I yeah. got to have some more. Yeah. But if, that's a good point to bring up, too, because I think, um, and for those of you that don't know or if I haven't spoken about it yet, like I'm a very anti-diet dietitian. I don't, I'm not in favor of restriction. And even when it comes to some clinical situations, and this is a great example that I think I would much rather you have. Now, again, this comes down to each person individually, um, but I would much rather you have a two by two inch square of brownie every single night at 7 p.m every single day than to restrict, 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 and on Sunday feel so restricted that you eat the whole pan of brownies, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And if you think about the glucose load that a two-by-two-inch square of brownie poses on the pancreas or poses on your gut versus what a whole sheet pan of brownies is, which for some people is not difficult to take down, right? Um, that's a lot better nutrient utilization, right, or utilization oh, yes. of your bodily processes. So um, just kind of going back, restriction is definitely not what we're aiming for, um, but trying to be savvy with your carb choices and um, satisfying. Yes, yeah. yes, but also satisfying um I guess what Val said earlier, like that dopamine hit that you need or that whatever hankering you have for a, a sweet, the, the best way that you can do that. Um, and Val was actually talking about um, earlier, sometimes when we're wanting a sweet treat or when we're, you know, we feel like crave. we have a craving for food, um, it's really just like a change of scenery or a change of sensation that we're wanting. So Val, what are you, like what, some more details about that? Yeah, so... I have found, odd as it is, that uh, a couple spoonfuls of sauerkraut will do it for me. Like I might, I might want <laughs> something sweet at the time. I might be looking in the pantry for something, and I'm just feeling noshy or cravy, or I haven't identified, which is the very best thing you can do is actually just stop, mm-hmm. put your hand on your heart, take a breath, and say, what is it I really want right, right. now? Yeah. A lot of times it's not the cookie or the ice cream. It's like to get out of the house or have a change of sensation. So some things that you could do are take a shower. You could go brush your teeth. You could drink a big glass of water. You could um, you know, call a friend. You, But I do find that um, 
bright tastes like sauerkraut or eating a pickle or, you know, having an orange or something like that. I heard like spicy foods. Like spicy too. Spicy yes. as opposed yeah. to sweet. Like that it can still have the same feeling. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Avocado toast sprinkled with cayenne peppers, one of my favorite things. Oh, I do love that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're a dietitian and you don't like avocado toast, you got to get out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, we are very much kidding. <laughs> um, okay, and I love that. I think that's a really useful tool for people um, who find themselves needing that, that dopamine hit, really, which is kind of what it comes down to. Take a, a walk. Yes, take a walk. Take a walk. And those evening walks are so good for everybody's blood sugar. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, so what about – what are some tangible – sugar swaps like we've talked so much about you know what um carbohydrate foods to emphasize maybe what we should limit more in our diet hint hint artificial sweeteners um (laughs) so what are some good sugar swaps because again we want to have satiation we want to feel pleasure from food um so what are our better choices well one thing i have two things that, that pop up to my brain and one is having like plain yogurt and stirring in just like one teaspoon of maple syrup that is so sweet, that and it's good. so good. Yeah, and you could also mm. put berries in there instead of the maple syrup or whatever, but berries are fantastic. Any kind of fruit. I, I like making fruits as desserts or as snacks, as standalones, because they they really, if you, you can train your response or your cravings to be as sweet as fruit mm-hmm. and not as sweet as maybe a candy bar. Got it. Right. So those are my favorite things is just use fruit as your dessert. You could you could take uh, peel an apple, microwave it, put a little bit of sprinkle of teeny bit of sugar, teeny bit of mm-hmm. cinnamon. Well, you don't have to be teeny with that. You can plow it on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, actually a few breadcrumbs, like panko breadcrumbs mm-hmm. on that, and it tastes just like apple pie. Great. Wow. What about drinks? What about when you are tired of drinking water? You want something with some flavor, um, but you're trying to avoid the soda. You're trying to avoid the fruit juice. What would you suggest? Well, I have something, but then I'll bet Amy does too. Yeah, I have, I have tons of recommendations. I think um, infused water, which, to be honest, I really don't like that word, infused water. It sounds like I'm selling <laughs> Very someone some, dippy. like, magical spa, delicious <laughs> Pretty fancy. Treat. All it really means is putting some putting some stuff in your water. So yeah. I, even as a dietitian, I've said this a million times, as a dietitian, I sometimes really struggle with my hydration. Like, sometimes I need the cue of a dry mouth to get me to drink water. And so my kind of solution to that is putting lemon in my water. Okay. It's way more appealing, way more delicious, but I know a ton of people who will do like lemon and strawberry or mint and lemon in their water, cucumber, mint, and lemon, and that's essentially just infusing the water with some type of flavor. Uh, berries, I mean, you name it, really anything. Um, I also love, you know, my my sparkling sodas um, that have the natural flavors of fruit in them. That kind of satisfies my, my soda craving too, that carbonation right. that I get. Um, what about you, Val? I'm a big fan of Izzy's. Like if you have yeah. a if you have a soda habit, changing that to an eight ounce Izzy. If you haven't heard of that, it's like seventy percent uh, water and thirty percent juice, sparkling water and juice, and they come in pear and mandarin orange and uh, blackberry and 
my grand girls are always looking for them because oh. I didn't want to keep <laughs> soda in the house for them, but I wanted them to have a right, treat. Right, something so nice. I pour it in a fancy glass for them, and they feel really treated. Yes, I love that. Anything that you're drinking, put it in like a wine glass yes. or like a highball <laughs> glass, and you will automatically feel way more fancy. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's so treated. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you are someone who enjoys the occasional soda, I think it's just important to know, you know, how how much of that soda are you having, learning how many carbs are in it. You know, for fruit juice, half a cup or four ounces, those are the same thing. That's going to be 15 grams of carbs. So just kind of knowing those key points in your carb allotment, your carb budget is, is important. Yeah, Awareness. and you can take that half a cup of fruit juice and then pour some sparkling water into mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. squeeze some lime in there and, you know, it's delicious. And you've got a lot more than four ounces, which is not a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to stretch it out. Okay. All right. So let's wrap this up with some just takeaways. Um, and you and I can do this together, Val, but kind of, um, you know, taking away what I do in my own practice and what we've talked about is I think first and foremost, uh, acknowledging where your carbs are coming from in your diet. So taking a moment before you eat, this is something that I suggest and saying, okay, that's got carbs, that's got carbs, that's got carbs, and just acknowledging, um, increasing that awareness, um, making sure that you've got a ton of fibrous foods, maybe not a ton, but you've got some representation of a fibrous food. Again, that's going to be like your complex carbs, so fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, and non-starchy <clears throat> green vegetables. Yes, non-starchy green vegetables. We love the green stuff, um, which is funny because St. Patrick's Day is tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, being sparing with artificial sweeteners. Um, we're definitely not saying, you know, absolutely none at all. But, um, you know, when they start adding up and your tummy gets a little grumbly and loud, maybe that's your, uh, your trigger to, to calm down a little bit with those. Um, what else, Val? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I guess the, the, those are the high points. Um, yeah. Be careful. You know, use it as a transition and not as a long-term thing. You Drinking six diet sodas per day is not healthy. Yeah. Nobody is going to tell you that it is healthy. Yeah. And and recommendation also to, to not be fearful of these non-nutritive sweeteners. They are, they're called GRAS, generally recognized as safe. From the FDA, some are called non-nutritive sweeteners, some are called artificial sweeteners, some are called dietary supplements, and some are called food additives. So they 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 are not that well regulated, but yeah. they are. You know, there's been a lot of studies, not a ton of human studies. I think staying close as you can to whole foods, yes. close as you can to eating real things. Yes, yes, close All to right. nature. I love that. And so we'll wrap this up just by saying um, nutrition is very individualized. And so for those of you who might have um, a nutrition-related condition, such as type 2 diabetes, if you're under the care of a dietitian, under the care of a provider, know that not all of this information might pertain to you. This is very much for the general population. And so we definitely encourage you seeking advice from your dietitian or your healthcare provider before changing anything drastic to your diet. Um, but we hope that you enjoyed this uh, talk today, and we'll see you next time for our next uh, diabetes episode to continue the series. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast, brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.